Hey everybody, Alex Shaw with the Scott Risk Performance Podcast. <clears throat> Alex, how you doing? I just had to clear my throat. What's wrong with your throat? I don't know. I drank too much water or or maybe it was the breakfast I ate. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> if I must ask. Yeah, I had uh I had a clementine, a banana, I had some cashews, some almonds, a big cup of coffee, and uh and about let's call it eight ounces of water. Sounds like a healthy diet. Yeah, how about you? Uh, I had a uh, granola bar for breakfast. Is that it? That's it. It's fascinating. You know, my, my buddy's an arborist, and he doesn't eat a thing he pretty doesn't. much all day for, for reasons that we won't disclose. But you imagine when your work involves being in a tree for eight hours a day. Right. There's not a lot of opportunity to get down. And so the way you avoid some challenges is by just not eating very much and not drinking much, which, folks, that's not... <laughs> Not highly advisable um, for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, so uh, so we're excited about this new podcast that we've got going here. Uh, what, what are we going to talk about, Alex? What was that sound? I feel like I sound. Was that the sound of shifting gears? I was. I didn't want people <laughs> people to think we were uh, like the healthy breakfast no, no, <laughs> podcast. No, no. Well, man, it is a uh, it's an exciting time of year for me. Switching gears right back. On you, I, I kind of want to talk about UVA football for a second. Uh, well, that that's not very exciting. <laughs> the the potential is exciting, I think. Well, there, there's uh, there's nowhere to go but up. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, set expectations low, and and no one will be disappointed, right? Yeah. So, but I have high high expectations for the team this year. But anyway, why, why don't we? We probably should transition onto something with more. Um, well, let, let, speaking of speaking of expectations, I think that's uh, it's a little bit in line with what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe elaborate on that a little bit. Sometimes I think in organizations, uh, there are expectations of the workforce that maybe uh, really aren't shared, and and so the employees um, have sort of a different view from where management stands and and sometimes it, it's it's hard to um really reconcile those things and, and understand them more and and we've used some pretty cool tools over the years to uh, sort of get at that yeah yeah it's it's a pretty fascinating you know one of the things i enjoy most is is getting to learn and understand an organization from top to bottom i think the the only way you can really work in a true collaborative form with people to affect Real change is to understand the people and the politics and the personalities, the priorities of the organization, and that goes from numero uno all the way to the to the person executing the job. And what's been really fascinating over over my time doing that is, um, you know, we've talked in the past. I don't think we've worked with anybody uh, for the most part who has ill intent for their employees, who frankly doesn't care about their employees. But there does seem to be a disconnect between what the expectation is. And, and the feel for an organization at the upper level, and then the morale and the, and the, the feel for what, how, how the work really has to get done right, yeah. on the front line. Well, I think mo- most of the companies that we work with in, in some shape or form um, are either what they would call a, a, a family business mm-hmm. um, or a spouse to have a, a, a you know, we want to we operate like a family. Yeah. And... Um, and, and so I think a little bit to, to my own family and how that operates, I certainly feel like I know 
my family members. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that we always get along the way we would like or um, that, that I parent to them or they uh, child to me um, appropriately, but I do feel like I have a pretty good understanding of, of um, what their position is, uh, what, what they want, uh, what they expect, and, and I'm, I'm sure they do of me as well. Yeah, it's fun to, that you bring in family. I was listening to, a, to a, uh, a podcast, NPR podcast, on the way down here to Lynchburg today, and they talked about they were talking about vacations and, and how we spend so much time planning these vacations, coordinating vacations, spend a lot of money, and then we get there, and oftentimes they don't live up to expectation. And what w- one of the things they noted was that oftentimes the parents are as you know, you you might argue is justifiably, you know, they're, they're the ones working, bringing in the money. It's their vacation. Right. Like, let's do what we want to do. We want to go out to eat. Right. We want to go here. And the kids largely have to get dragged along with it. But part of the expectation, part of the challenge is that the expectations for the kids just haven't been yeah. set. So as a parent, you know, I reflect back on my dad sometimes now. And I'm like, man, I totally get why he reacted how he did when we didn't unload the top. Not even the whole dishwasher. Just yeah. the top. You know, he... He's going to work, you know, providing for his family, and then his expectation is, "Hey, I do this, and and I expect this in return." But it's we didn't really understand the context in which he worked, how much he was working, you know, right, and and, and all that goes along with that. And so I try to tell my kids uh, when we go on a vacation as a family that actually it is not their vacation; <laughs> it is just my wife and I's vacation. <laughs> The, their whole life is a vacation, so this is this is the time where we're we're supposed to do what we want to do, and it's about us, not them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is utterly counter to the message that that we want organizations to to, to take. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Right, 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 right. But but I think that's a micro of what plays out in the macro in organizations, oftentimes. And it's not if you take that same example and you look as a parent. It's not because you don't like your kids. It's not that you don't love your kids. It's just right. that's how that's how it plays out sometimes. It's just it's it's the reality, and so it 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 is it is kind of cool because um, what what's in your head is not necessarily what's in your kids' head. Yeah, you know. Um, and so one of the things that that I think we wanted to talk about was h- how do you sort of build a bridge. Um, to to connect, maybe create a little more connectivity and and gain a, a better appreciation of um, the mindset of different groups within the organization. Yeah, well, I think there's uh, I think one of the one of the common themes we've seen in engaging with clients is that communication is a big challenge. And as soon as I hear that, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, right? You know, because it's well. In what way? That that is that is such a thirty thousand foot kind of diagnosis of organizational issues that it leaves you really no place to go from there. Right. We're having a communication issue. Does that mean right. that that you're losing reception when you're driving over Afton Mountain? And, it, and, and think it, think <laughs> of any any relationship anywhere um, of any size, any magnitude, whether it's an organizational, whether it's personal, whether it's family, friendship. You could always make that comment and be accurate, right? Like, uh, we could stand to improve communication. Well, of course you could. Um, there's always room for improvement there, but the tactically, re- how how do you how are you going to go about? Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, so again, let's um, let's act 
and, you know, and, 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 you know, that diagnosis stands up just about anywhere. So if, if there's some actions that you can take that, that may uh, help improve that, then that sounds like a great thing. Yeah, I, I can, a few examples come to mind. A, you know, we're seeing clients use more and more of these webcam, you know, so they've got locations in different states, different cities, and they're having meetings via webcam, conference calls. But I think one of the, those are, are great, but I think about things the way I would respond to them. And if you ask me in a large group, does anybody have any problems, any, anything we need to consider or anything we need to address, most people are going to hold back. And so really providing a medium in which people can share anonymous feedback is pretty powerful. Right. Um, so, so, you know, safety perception surveys are, or just let's just call them perception surveys, are a great way to find out little opportunities within your organization where you might turn the screw a little bit, you know. And we, we, we've done a lot of those yeah. o- over the years. And I think if done right, they can really open open your eyes, and I know um, you've experienced firsthand a lot of the sort of um, really refreshing, um, interesting outcomes that you've seen. Why don't you talk about some of those? Yeah, sure. You know, they're 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 so insightful, um, and in some of these, you know, our style has really evolved into asking open ended questions, so that you really get the pulse on what people are thinking. The agree, disagree, strongly agree, strongly disagree, those are fine. But just like saying communication is an issue, right. many of the questions are, are something like this. Um, you know, management operates with an open-door policy. 80% of people agree. Well, that's great, um, but I'm not sure what you do with that. Um, you know, these open-ended, they'll say specific things with a building, with, a, with an operational efficiency problem, with a safety matter that needs to be addressed that – you can really point your attention to. But beyond that, some of the best feedback we've got, and it just kind of shows you how important tapping into the intellectual capital of your employees is, is, and simply the act of reaching out, how important that is. Some of the most consistent feedback I've gotten on these surveys is responses from employees to the question, what's the organization done in the past year that you feel has impacted your safety the most? And many will say, this survey. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Asking us these questions. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that is just such a powerful message that there are people out there who remarkably, I've found, aren't griping and complaining. I mean, it's probably less than one, two, three percent of the responses are, are, you know, griping, as one would say. Largely, it's people who just have some pretty good ideas because they've got hands on experience on a day to day basis with the challenges that come up with in an organization. And man, their ideas just need to be floated to somebody who can make the decision to execute on that. I think that's great. And I think the the other part of that is one of the things that I've seen is sometimes it's not even the specific answers themselves. Um, it's just the process of asking for feedback right. and following through on it that, that sends a, a – a message that maybe hasn't been sent in the past. Yeah. Um, that that's maybe equally as powerful. Um, well, I think we're all all you know. We've learned that any the amount of energy that a leadership team puts into any initiative, safety or otherwise, will be reflected there in their employees. And so I've seen these surveys used in the past where you say, well, what you know? Yeah, we've done a survey. 
And essentially, they show up at a job site, they smack the survey down, they say, fill this out, give it back to us. And there's something like, I want to say they were 50, 60% of, of mergers, acquisitions, and initiatives fail because of lack of um, uh, inspiration, essentially. It's not that the it's not that the overall strategy is bad or right. the, the goal is bad. It's the execution was poor. And so while survey distribution is <laughs> it's not rocket science, right? if you don't spend the time on the front end saying, hey, folks, we're kind of pressing a reboot here. This is what we're trying to do. This is why we're asking these questions. This is why it's so important that you engage and not, and don't just write, you know, nothing. Right. You know, things are good. Yeah. No, no change is needed. We want to hear from you. Um, and, and that'll help influence our decisions moving forward. Yeah. And, and I don't know, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, um, interesting, I, I buy a lot of stuff at Amazon. I'm a big Amazon guy. Yeah. Love Amazon Prime. And, uh, if you read into the uh, comments, evaluations, the the feedback, it, it's amazing the amount of knowledge that people are are giving of their time just to rate a product out there on Amazon. Like, I don't know that I've ever written a review, but I learn a lot from those, and that tells me that that we're we we are living more and more in a society where. Um, if you're if you're willing to take the time to listen and people feel like it'll be valuable, they're they're willing to give you some in depth feedback. Yeah, totally. And and I think putting yourself as a leader in the position to receive that feedback is critical. I think it was one of the members of one of our captive groups. I think they've got around four, maybe three thousand employees. I want to say, um, and their general manager has largely shifted to sticking in the field. And they're fortunate enough to have somebody who can execute in the office for them. But their 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 message was, hey, you know, am I going to touch every single one of our employees? Absolutely not. Well, I hit 5% of them. I hope so. But the, the message that's being distributed out in the field by my presence is that, hey, leadership cares. They listen to us. They're present. They're very well-versed in the work being done. And they're responsive to any issues that come up. Um, and that that's a huge message in itself. Yeah, so uh, I guess that would raise the question a little bit. Um, what are what are the biggest objections and roadblocks that we hear? Because um, we do hear people that are very resistant to reach out and sort of um, expose themselves, if you will. Yeah, I think one of them is we've tried that before. Um, to which my response is, well, let's give it another go and see if we can we can go about it a little bit different way. Um, the other is that some people are a bit afraid of the feedback. Yeah. I think they're they're hesitant to hear some hard truths. But as I mentioned, man, there's just been a couple responses yeah. that I can recall where I was like, man, that was pretty ruthless. Yeah. Um, you know, the other is, you know, we've got a Spanish-speaking population. We've got an English-speaking population. How do we distribute? Or, hey, some of our folks don't know how to read. How do we navigate that? Yeah. Or some of our folks don't use computers, which I, I'm finding, I found that earlier on, I find that less and less now, because if you go to any job site, I guarantee you somebody's sitting there on Facebook. They, <laughs> Even the old school guys know right. how to operate technology. So a little bit what I'm hearing is um, sort of process is everything, mm-hmm. and um, we've done enough of this and been through enough situations that if we really sit down and, and talk about um, how to how to introduce this into an organization? Um, 
we can really maximize the success of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting the the sort of fear of what you'll get component of this because what I say to that is, is that's what they're thinking whether you know it or not right whether they've told you or not that's what they're thinking so you know knowing about it is a heck of a lot better yeah I would agree with that and I you know one of the critical parts of the process is and I've I've encouraged clients I know Jacob Dalene out of Greensboro's encouraged clients not to do a survey. This isn't this isn't something I feel like you, you do to knock it off the checklist. You do it when the time is right. And and the time is right when you know that you're going to have um, blocked off some availability to review the responses and then to respond to employees. Because if you don't, um, you tell them a couple things. A, I'm willing to take waste your time taking this silly survey. Because no, I don't know a person in the world, myself included, who enjoys surveys. <laughs> Right, you know, I'll take it if it's if it's teed up correctly. Um, but B, you know, we're willing to waste your time. But B, we actually don't really care about what you had to say. Right, and that is more harmful than not yeah. doing the survey in the first place. And you know, the other is, is that my experience is is that there's some trepidation about they're going to get this big laundry list of things that they need to fix, mm-hmm. and my experience has been um, they find out a lot of stuff that really is really easy to fix, doesn't cost anything, um, or or if it does, it's minimal. It's more about maybe tweaking or doing things differently that drives a lot of the value. Um, but at the same time, it also creates an opportunity for a, a discussion. Yeah, yeah, I think the the – the tendency to want to go run around and create a list of, of fixes is is definitely prevalent, um, but m- more so, I think you just seek for for improvements that can touch all locations. You know, an example comes to mind where we had um, these folks working on heavy equipment, and I knew before the survey they were having challenges with uh, people lifting these things up, keeping them stable. And through the survey, you know, this is more of an operational thing, but it's also a safety thing. They say. You know, we've used, just just in case anybody else wants to know, we've been using these Emerson jacks for a few months, and they're phenomenal. They're not that costly. They fix the problems we've been ha- having. Right. And at that point, every single location just about was like, man, let, right, let's, right. Let's, let's at least look into this and see if this might be a solution for us as well. So, so there are operational solutions that come from these, not just safety yeah, considerations. Yeah, and, 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 and maybe best of all um, is the really powerful stories that we've um, heard from different um, responders who just um, really elegantly talk about the company that they love and have provided them a, a career and, and sort of their dream job. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. So we, we baked in a question a while back included it, it, the the survey that we use now is largely about a seven question um that's not a magical number it could go down could go up but seven open-ended questions and one of the questions we like to use is share something about yourself a struggle or an accomplishment could be personal could be a, at work could be you know a hobby could be anything just tell us something about yourself and one of the reasons we added that in there was to to really humanize the responses right because you get all these operational and safety responses and feedback. Um, 
But when you're able to get feedback that says, man, I can't imagine going through my cancer battle without this company on my back. They were phenomenal. They accommodated me to the nth degree. You know, they knew my, you know, my father passed away and they gave me all the time in the world. You know, all these really heartfelt, encouraging messages that as I sit with CFOs and presidents and executive management and, and middle management, everybody in the room is like, this yeah. is just unbelievable. And I think it provides more motivation to say, hey, these are our people. Right. Now that we've heard their personal stories, let's respond to the, to, to the challenges they're facing on the ground. And, and I found that to be pretty impactful. And, and interestingly enough, one of the questions I get the most pushback from on uh, yes. by, by, by teams before we do the survey. Yeah, and I think, you know, I guess since we're, we're relatively fresh and new into this podcast, I mean, I, I really view that as sort of thematic for – what we hope this is all about, which is really about um, bridging the gap that often exists in how we view risk management from, you know, the ground up and, and the top down. And if we can find ways to engage employees um, positively, we feel like that's going to build and develop organizations that are healthier. Yeah, and that, you know, stealing a little bit from Todd Conklin, he says the most reliable organizations are those who monitor small signals and respond to those, you could call them near misses, and who are constantly scanning the horizon for, for any barriers or challenges that are coming down the line, you know, coming down the line. And the only, one, of the, one of the most powerful ways to do that is to tap into the intellectual capital you've already got existing within your organization. So... If you're out there listening, we appreciate it. Um, And we'd ask you, if you haven't or you haven't real recently uh, reached out with a a survey um, to take the pulse of your organization, maybe maybe not as directly from a risk management standpoint um, or a safety standpoint as you might think, um, we'd challenge you to try that out. Absolutely. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out uh, to one of our risk performance uh, specialists on the team, and we would be happy to work with you. Jimbo, good, good hanging with you. And thanks, Enjoyed everybody, for, uh, for listening in. We'll catch you next time. Take care. See ya.